Today's episode is brought to you by Twin City Seed Company. Twin City Seed Company provides the highest quality grass seed money can buy using the top rated cultivars according to trials from the National Turf Grass Evaluation Program. You can use the coupon code LONDAD10 for 10% off your next order. Check them out at TwinCitySeed.com. From landscaping to parenting, much is in store, because life is so much more than cutting the grass on the Lawn Dads Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lawn Dads Podcast. My name's TJ, your adequate DIY lawn enthusiast and host. You can find me on all things social media as at the Lawn Dad. So today, we've got a special treat for you. Typically, we have... DIY guys, people who love taking care of their lawns in a DIY setting. Um, they real mow their lawns. They, they post on social media, all the above. But today we have a professional agronomist, someone who does this for a living, someone who studies soil and grass for a living. Mark, how you doing, man? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Is that, your official, is that your official title? Just like Mark, the agronomist? Is that what, yep. is that what everybody can call you? Yep. Just Mark the agronomist. That's correct. That's, that's awesome, man. So you're with, you're with Simple On Solutions and I guess really quickly, let's plug them. How, what is Simple On Solutions uh, and, and sort of what, what do you do for them? Um, and then we'll kind of get into who you are. Yeah. So Simple On Solutions is a retail fertilizer uh, brand. So we manufacture fertilizers down uh, based out of Florida. Uh, so we manufacture retail fertilizers for homeowners. So it's in the name, Simple Lawn Solutions. You know, we, they set out to um, to make products that were a little bit more accessible, uh, liquid products to be specific, that were a little bit more accessible for the homeowner, um, something that can be really easy to use. Um, and then, you know, we do have a line of garden fertilizers as well. So in my role with them is uh, it's kind of split. So I do some research and development. Um, so, you know, one of my main jobs is to look forward at what the lawn care space is going to need, uh, how we can improve on some of the products that we currently have um, and how we can introduce some new products into the lineup in the future. So I do that. Also do a lot of work with social media. Uh, so a lot of our scripts for TikTok, I, I'm the one that writes those scripts. Um, just trying to educate the community um, and educate listeners, you know, whether they are just brand new to lawn care or whether they're people that have been in it for 20 years and just want to expand their knowledge a little bit. Um, so one of our main goals is just consumer education. Nice. And I know when I first started in in the lawn community and taking care of my grass and stuff like that, y'all were on Amazon and it seemed like such an easy like you just, you just put on the end of your hose and you spray it and it's like super simple. So like, again, it's in the name, simple lawn solutions. Like y'all are kind of changing the game on already measured, easy to use fertilizers. That's just like kind of dumb proof, right? <laughs> that's the goal. Yeah, that's an idea. And I mean, that's what attracted me to the company uh, when I was looking for new jobs. Um, you know, I, I, um, was an agronomist for a local lawn care company here. I'm based out of Delaware. Um, and I was an agronomist doing applications for a company that, uh, we did about 2,500 lawns or so. And, um, you know, so I was prior to that, I had not really seen this liquid for 
for homeowners, you know, in, in the retail space, I, I hadn't really seen it. It was, it was all commercial. And then I started seeing simple lawn solutions and some of the competitors and thought it was just a really cool idea. Uh, just the fact that it is so accessible, it's so easy to use, um, you know, and granular can come with its own challenges. Um, so it's just a different method of application for people that, you know, it, it can be much easier, more convenient. And I, I thought it was really cool. And that's, that's what really attracted me to simple. That's awesome. Yeah. Great company. I'm looking forward to using them this year. Just again, just like super, super easy. You, you can attach to your hose or just, uh, mix it, put in a, a sprayer and spray it. It's like, can't get easier than that. So, mm-hmm. well, awesome, man. So first off, let's start out. This is like the biggest question that I'm going to get. And then we're going to get into like how you became an agronomist. But what the heck is an, an agronomist? That is the number one question that I, that I got from my, my listeners was like, what the heck is an agronomist? And can you explain it for the person who has no idea what that means? Yeah, it's, it's funny too, because my older brother's an agronomist and uh, he has been an agronomist longer than I have. He's five years, six years older than me. Um, and I wanted to be an agronomist and he told me, he was like, Mark, it's people don't know what it is. I, I tell people I'm an agronomist. They're like, what the heck is that? Um, in short, it's somebody that specializes in soil and plant science and being able to utilize soil health for the benefit of your plants. Um, so agronomy itself has, you know, it, it has facets of both soil science and plant and plant science. So, you know, the um, soil science and nutrients, et cetera. And then plant science is uh, just as far as plant nutrition um, to as all the way to genetics. Um, so just facets of both and trying to balance the two. So to summarize, you pretty much know exactly what you're talking about when we ask a soil question or a plant question, right? That's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, I'd say because you know some agronomists tend to special specialize in one or the other um mine you know i lean more towards the soil science side i I think a lot of agronomists would probably say that you know we there seems to be a lot more that you can explore as far as soil science goes because that's where it all starts you know without the adequate soil science um and without your nutrients and balance then you're not going to have healthy plants Uh, so we tend to sort of hyper focus on that soil science side of things nice okay so do, do you have to have like a PhD or is it like a bachelor's degree? Like how, what type of like education do you have to have to be a, an agronomist? Um, it, I guess it varies. I mean, I guess, you know, you could be a self-proclaimed agronomist, really. <laughs> True. Um, but, you know, so for um, my own experience, so I have uh, two master's degrees. I have a master's degree in sustainable agriculture and a master's degree in crop sciences. Um, awesome. my bachelor's degree was actually in English education. Um, so I was an English teacher for a few years out of college and just wasn't passionate about it. Didn't like it. Um, took a summer job scouting crops, uh, scouting agronomic crops just from, you know, May to September when I went back to school. Um, and that's when I fell in love with agronomy. So uh, that was that was why I went through the process. Now there are agronomists that have multiple PhDs, and then there are agronomists that may just have an associate's degree. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So you said your brother got you, your brother is an agronomist, and you sort of were like, "Hey, I want to do that." So tell us a little bit about like maybe 
a, I mean, how you got into it, but also like your family life. Like you said, you live in Delaware. Tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Yeah, man. So I um, live in Delaware here about, I mean, I'm about 25 minutes from where I grew up. So not far. Nice. Um, live here with my two dogs. It's uh, just me here. Um, my brother, the agronomist is right around the corner. So him and I get together every weekend and just talk nerdy stuff, really. But, you know, he lives there. So got a couple nieces and nephews there. Parents are nearby. Um, two sisters down in Florida, actually. Uh, so family's a little bit scattered around here, but yeah, my, you know, my brother, the agronomist, he, um, so he's, uh, right around the corner. And like I said, I was kind of following his footsteps in a lot of this. Mm -hmm. So you're, you got two dogs. Uh, so you're like a, you're like a, you're like a lawn dad, but the dad portion is the dogs, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was a nightmare for the first couple of years that I lived in this house, trying to balance the dogs and just because I moved in in March, um, you know, they just threw down contractor blend. Now this was, mind you, this was before I had really gotten in, into agronomy, especially in the lawn care industry. Um, so I didn't know much about it at the time. So mm -hmm. battling uh, the dogs going off the back porch and just absolutely destroying my backyard was killing me. Uh, so that was when I started trying to, you know, learn a little bit about it. That was around the time that I was working with corn and soybeans all the time. So I was trying to take what I knew about that and then apply it to lawn care. I'm like, all right, I can grow corn. That's a grass. How do I get my dogs to stop destroying my lawn? <laughs> so, so dogs. So yeah, you, that's where you kind of got into like the lawn, the lawn care stuff was, you know, simple lawn solutions, but also like you yourself had to create a good grass so your dogs weren't like tracking in mud and i mean you went through the whole lawn dad mm -hmm. phase like all of us so i, I did I, I got fully into it right away we um, moved in here in march so that you know then you know, we're cool season here in delaware um so by may things were starting to really green up and look good and but i was brand new to it so that mm -hmm. was when i went through that phase really and kind of figured it out along the way. But at first, you know, I was, uh, I was just blind to it. I, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Um, hired true green actually after like a year, I finally gave up and, and hired true green. Um, and then after, and then I went back to it myself. I was like, all right, I can figure this out. I yeah, good, good. We're, I was hoping for that ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I, I gave up and hired true green for about a year. So that was when, um, when I was still scouting crops and teaching. Um, and I, it was shortly thereafter that I ended up switching and getting into the turf industry. And then at that point, then I nice. was good to go. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I guess, I guess, uh, so you said you make corn, I guess the grass isn't as exciting as corn because you can't make whiskey out of grass. I mean, maybe, maybe rye, but like, I don't know. Yeah, rye. But that's, I, I think that's a different kind of rye, but yeah, yeah you, you get all the, all the whiskey you want from the corn. <laughs> yep. Way more exciting, I guess. So <laughs> yeah, they definitely have their own individual challenges. That's, you know, to say the least, I thought, I thought turf was going to be, when I got into it, I thought it was going to be relatively easy, uh, comparatively, but I found out that was far from the case. It was <laughs> I would actually, I would hesitate, I would argue that turf is probably much more complicated to manage just because everything looks so similar. You know, I, my brother, the agronomist told me years ago as well, he said, um, you know, grass identification is one of the hardest things that agronomists can do. 
just mm-hmm. identifying different gra- if you have grass weeds in your lawn to be able to kill it effectively you have to first figure out what the heck it is mm-hmm. um, and that's one of the most challenging things you, know, yeah. you, know, you can yeah. see it actually figuring out what type of grass that is um, can be really difficult so there you hear it taking care of your grass is harder than taking care of corn <laughs> so <laughs> if you're if you're listening you're just like i'm i'm ready to throw in the towel for true green or have somebody else take care of this, this grass. Don't, don't be too hard on yourself because it's not, I mean, it takes a couple PH or takes a couple master's degrees to figure this out. Uh, it takes a lot of time to figure it out. So if you're in your first year or second year of trying to take care of your grass and it's not going as fast as you want, it's all right. It's all good. Yeah, that, that's the good. truth. I, I wrote the blog post for simple on as well. that are posted on our website. And uh, I think I've made that point in a few different blog posts that it is, uh, it's not as easy as it may seem at first, you know, or, mm-hmm. or considering getting into it. It's, it's not a simple thing. You know, there's a lot to it, which is why it's a really cool hobby because you, you're taking on this separate hobby that is so, it, it's such intense science that you learn along the way. Um, it's one of those things where you do it for a few years and then you look back and you realize how much you've learned about something that is just com- completely new to you. Yeah. And you got to learn by failing too. trying, you know, learning what a fungus is. I, I can tell you, I know what dollar spot is because it happened to me. You know, I, I, I can tell you a bunch of funguses. I can tell you a bunch of weeds because it happened to me. So yep. it's just, it's just learning. You gotta, you gotta yeah. burn your time just like any other hobby, just like any other profession. You got to learn about it and you got to make mistakes. So yeah. Oh, that's, and those never stop happening. I mean, this past never. summer, um, I was trying to, uh, I think I was trying to kill nut sedge in my yard. I forget what I, I was spot spraying in my yard and I grabbed the wrong tank. I'd put roundup into mm. a sprayer. You're supposed to draw a big red X on it. And I didn't. And I, then I grabbed the wrong sprayer and I round up a lot of my yard. And that was just this past summer. So mm. the mistakes never stop happening. Now that was a really stupid mistake on my end, but it's still, uh, yeah, <laughs> they'll always happen. Always. So this part of the podcast, we want to, we want to start asking some questions that, um, I've gotten from listeners. So typically we cover one or two questions, uh, from my listeners, but this one, since it's a little bit different, I kind of want to cover a couple questions. So we're probably going to do about four or five questions for you. Um, maybe a sixth if we have time, but these questions I actually put out in a, a big kind of like forum community, just like, if you could ask an agronomist one thing, what would you ask? And these questions are from, from that. So first off, we're going to start out. Um, it, it's, it's actually a question that I get a fair amount on my videos on, um, on comments or whatever it is, emails, but is fertilizer safe for dogs and kids? And out of the two, granular liquid, which one would be safer? Okay, I don't want to get myself in trouble here and say, it's fine. Yes, it's, you know, it's totally fine. But I mean, overall, they would have to consume a fair amount. Now, I can't give you a specific amount that they would have to eat, uh, but. You know, when I was an agronomist up here for that company where we did applications, I got this question all the time. Um, and, you know, they would have to sit down and chow down. Now, if you spill 
say it's granular, you spill a big pile of fertilizer, you want to get that cleaned up because that's something that a dog could start eating, you know, like they're sitting down at a food bowl and then they could eat it. And then, I mean, it'll make them sick, sick to their stomach if they eat quite a bit of it. Um, overall, again, you know, and just disclaimer, I'm not a vet by any means. I'm not telling you that it's safe. However, if my, I were to go out there and my dog were chewing on some granules, then uh, I wouldn't be concerned about it. Um, and as far as liquid, uh, I mean, liquid, it's applied at a much lower concentration. Um, there's just a lower concentration of the nutrient in the liquid product compared to the granular. Um, so that's going to be much safer as well. Um, you know, we always recommend you just let the application dry at least before your pets or your children walk on the lawn. Um, so just make sure it's dry just so that it's not getting all over their feet, potential irritation on the skin. Um, but overall, yeah, safe product, especially the homeowner grade materials. Um, they're, 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 like I said, pets would have to eat a pretty fair amount of it yeah. in order to do damage. And yeah, I think on the, on your labels and other labels I've seen, typically it's like four hours for, uh, for when you're spraying like a liquid application, it's usually about four hours, but honestly, it's kind of like however long water takes to dry on your grass. So if it's a super hot day or like a super, I guess, you know, the sun's kind of shining and you spray it, it's going to dry within, it's going to dry within a couple minutes. So I guess yeah. when it's dry, it's, it's safe for kids and pets. Right. Yeah. And four hours to be safe, um, for sure. Just so they're not walking in there immediately. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, one, once fertilizer, once a liquid fur dries on the lawn, then, uh, you know, overall it's pretty safe. Now, if you're, um, if you're applying herbicides along with that fertilizer, then make sure you read the recommendation on the label as well, because sometimes they will have specific label recommendations for pesticides. Uh, mm -hmm. especially insecticides. So if you're applying insecticides along with your fur or herbicides, fungicides, then be sure to get familiar with those labels because they may have different regulations. So what you're saying is always read the labels. Always read the label. You heard it. Top to bottom, front to back. It is really important because, um, again, I've made the, those mistakes from not reading the label and, doing things wrong and it's just not a mistake you want to make be familiar with it always read the labels That's sweet awesome so that's good I, again i get that question so much on comments on oh which which fertilizer is best for kids like i mean maybe maybe liquid but just like don't have your kid or or pet like chow down on a on a pile of it i don't know because <laughs> i mean if you granular if you're putting it on the lawn then it's going to stay in that granular form there for a little bit before it breaks mm -hmm. down especially if you're applying something like a polymer well that's going to stay there i mean those polymer goods will stay there for a very long time but um you know they if you're putting polymer coated urea down in the fall it's going to hold nitrogen in that prill through the spring at least so it's going to be there for a long time so mm -hmm. you know i'm sure they're was plenty of testing that went along with the development of these products uh, to make sure that they were safe. Yeah. You know, for, especially for being homeowner grade. For sure. Cool. All right. So the answer is that. All right. So next one, let's talk soil testing. This maybe is a hot topic for people. Some people say, Oh, you don't need a soil test. 
I think you need a soil test. I mean, soil testing is like the easiest thing to do. It's not that expensive. And then you just like kind of know where your pH is at. You know where your nutrients are at. Like to me, it's just kind of, it's kind of like dumb to not do it. But anyways, so let's talk to us soil testing and pH. So we actually talked about this a couple of weeks ago and when you and I first met, but why is it an issue to have your pH off? So either high or low. Uh, so like, A, that's like the first part of the question is like, why is it so terrible to have your pH off? And then two, what can be used to bring it up or down? Yeah. So, so that's the question. Um, so, I mean, you want, you have to have that pH in a desirable range for any plant. Um, so the pH is, it's the concentration, it's the acidity. It measures the acidity, which is the concentration of hydrogen atoms in the soil in essence, you know, in very uh, layman's terms. Um, and if the pH is too high or too low, it's just going to lock out certain nutrients or decrease the availability of certain nutrients that those plants need. Um, for example, if the pH is at you know, 5.4, um, the plant is going to have, your grass is going to have a really hard time accessing the phosphorus that it needs. Um, because you know, phosphorus is one of the major macronutrients for turf growth, for all plant growth. Um, but if the pH is too low, then that phosphorus is going to get bound up in the soil. You know, it'll get tied up by um, aluminum ions and uh, various other compounds. And that's just one example. So on this pH scale, uh, you know, if the pH is too high, a lot of your micronutrients, so your, um, you know, your iron, your zinc, if the pH is too high, then those micronutrients are going to get locked out. If the pH is too low, then a lot of your macronutrients are going to get locked out. So by keeping your pH in a balance, so you know, between six and seven uh, in general for turf grass, by keeping it in that area, then the turf is going to be able to access most of the micros that it needs as long as, or as well as most of the macronutrients that it needs. So it's just optimizing uptake you because you can have those nutrients in the soil but your ph is sort of like the you know it's like the bottleneck that is gonna um that that can restrict the actual uptake of those nutrients so if you have the nutrients in the soil but your ph is not ideal um then those nutrients might sit there until they get unlocked by the ph so, so yeah. yeah so like for beginners I'm going to, I'm going to like translate that to like a, maybe something that beginners can understand. Right. Um, mm -hmm. so if your pH is off and you're putting down your 16, four, eight, or you're putting down your 12, 12, 12, your pH is too low. It's like 5.4, a little bit low. We want it between six and seven. It's a little mm -hmm. bit low because your pH is so low. And that 12, 12, 12 that you're, you're putting down your soil and Therefore, your grass isn't uptaking all of the 12, 12, 12, or all of the 16, 4, 8. It's uptaking just a little bit of it. And the rest of that is going down the drain. Yeah, it's not Quite simply put. Yeah, exactly. It's not necessarily going down the drain. It's just getting, it's going to get locked up in the soil. So most of it, it will stay in the soil, but it's going to become insoluble. It's called where um, it's not where it's tied to other compounds so that the plant can't actually take it up so that, you know, those nutrients will still be there. 
um, you know, with the exception of potential like nitrate leaching, you know, we worry about nitrogen more than anything, uh, but it's a good chance. A lot of those nutrients are still going to stay there if the pH is not ideal, but they're just not going to be accessed because they're going to get tied up and bound to other compounds that are in the soil. Um, so they're just, they're just going to become unavailable. Got it. So that, that 12, 12, 12 or 16, 4, 8 that you're putting down, it's just like, it's not doing as much as you want it to do. Yeah, that's correct. So you're, you're not going to see the response that you would otherwise. Uh, so soil tests, they're, they're measured based on the probability of a, a response. Uh, you know, so it's not necessarily because there are different types of soil tests with different extraction methods, you know, all kinds of different stuff. Um, so if it says your potassium is low in your soil, it doesn't necessarily mean that your potassium level is actually low in your soil, but based on the other parameters in the soil, what that means is, um, if your potassium shows up low on your soil test, it means there's a much greater potential for a response to a potassium application. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so liquids versus granular, if your pH is low or high, would it matter if you used a granular versus a liquid? Like, is it better to use liquid if your pH is off? Like talk to, talk to me about that. Yeah. So, um, liquid products that are, you know, there a lot of them, uh, a lot of the nutrient uptake is through foliar absorption. Mm -hmm. So foliar absorption is best when the soil composition is not ideal. So if your pH is too low, the plants are still going to be able to absorb foliar nutrients. So if, you know, if your soil is compacted, um, if your soil is, uh, if just environmental conditions aren't great, um, then, you know, if you have any other, your pH is off, then foliar absorption is going to have more, it's going to show more of a response than a soil applied fertilizer would, because the, if the soil is the cause of the issue, um, then those granular products may break down and get tied up in the soil, or they may not be able to access the soil if it's too compacted. Um, if your soil is too sandy, uh, some of those nutrients may leach or run out. Um, you know, your there's the cation exchange capacity is a different, is another measurement that we look at. If your CEC is too low, too high, some of those nutrients may run off or, um, or get locked out. So yeah. foliar absorption can really be capitalized in those such, uh, in those circumstances. Soil tests aren't always deadly accurate. You know, there's, there's a, a lot that, uh, a lot of things that need to be looked at, uh, kind of measured against each other, but it will at least give you foundational knowledge. Yeah. Um, it'll, yeah. you know, it'll give you an idea if there is a nutrient that is deficient that needs to be corrected. Um, you're, you know, it'll, it'll tell you if your pH is low. That's the first thing that I always look at whenever I grab a soil test. Yeah. No matter sure. the crop. Yeah. Whether it's turf, whether it's agronomic crops, always look at the pH first. Just so if your pH, yeah. If your pH is like in the fives, what are you using to bring it up to like between six and seven? Lime. Lime. And is that yeah. like any lime? So like Home Depot lime or like, are there different grades of lime? <laughs> 
Yeah. So you want to look at your magnesium level as well. So if you have low magnesium as well, then you want to use dolomitoclon because so dolomitoclon has both calcium, it's calcium carbonate and magnesium. Um, and then if your magnesium levels are okay, then you'll just want to use calcitic lime, which is just calcium carbonate. Okay. Interesting. And then if your, uh, pH is like, like seven and a half, eight, what are we doing to bring it down? Um, so it's tough to bring it down. It's tough to bring it down with applications alone. You can use elemental sulfur. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's going to be your go-to for bringing pH down. Just a little bit of patience, a little bit of elemental sulfur, it can come down. Nice. So just keep on mowing your lawn and it'll come down. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Try to return those clippings. Uh, nice. You know, every couple mowings at least. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So that was, that was a huge question on pH. A lot of people had questions on actual soil testing and pH, but hopefully that helps. Um, so you actually, so this next question, you actually mentioned this in like what in, in what you were saying before, but I didn't actually know what this was, but somebody asked it. Should I be, should I be concerned about CECs in the soil? Yes. Um, well, <laughs> once, so this is sort of, you know, you'll find yourself going through, uh, your different phases of lawn care nerdism, if you will. Um, and this is for anybody listening. This is like the tippy top of lawn care nerdism. So <laughs> Uh, I didn't even know what a CEC was, so it's over my head, but hopefully Mark can, Mark can dumb it down for us. <laughs> CECs, should anybody even be worried about them? Are they dangerous? And if anybody's concerned about it, can they test for it? Yeah, so it, it, can, it shows up on some soil tests. Um, that's going to vary based on where your soil test is from. Um, what it is, it's more of a clue that can indicate other deficiencies. So if you have a low CEC, that's going to point to a greater potential for like potassium deficiency, um, you know, ammonium nitrate. Uh, So a low CEC is just going to indicate a lesser ability of the soil to hold those nutrients. So you may have to bump up your rate of some of those nutrients of some of those fertilizers if you have a low CEC. And then if you have a high CEC, um, you can use a little bit lower rate. Okay. So once you start getting into that and, and dialing your rates on based on your CEC, then, you know, (laughs) props to you. Props, props to you. Um, second to last question. So this is for like super beginners. Absolutely. I have no idea what to do with my lawn. What is a good, like, where should they start? What type of fertilizer should be used? And this is maybe like uh, southern grass and northern grass, but like, what's a good fertilizer to be used if you were to pick one off of Simple On Solutions site or for you yourself as an agronomist? Like, where, sh- where should someone start and maybe how often should they do it at the very simplest form? Yeah. So um, if, if you're starting out, I would say, so we want, like a three, one, two ratio. Uh, so when you look at your three numbers on the bag, a three, one, two of your, so that's going to be your nitrate, uh, to your potash to phosphate, I'm sorry, nitrate to phosphate to potash. Um, that ratio is a really good standard ratio for kind of bringing everything up to speed. So like simple on solution, 16, four, eight is, um, it's going to be 
a really good complete fertilizer that is going to give you your nitrogen that you need, your phosphate and your potash, which are your phosphorus and your potassium. Um, because, you know, if you're putting that down, then you're at least going to get the three primary macronutrients that you need. Um, so until your soil test results come back in, that's at least a good starting spot is a complete fertilizer with a um, little bit more nitrogen and then some phosphate and potash. Yep. Yeah. That's 1648. That's why usually like if someone's just like, where do I start? That 1648 is just going to be, uh, like you said, that three, one, two balanced, balanced solution. It's just going to be a great product, whether that's granular or liquid. If your pH is off, maybe 10 towards the liquid might give you better quicker, better results, but granular liquid, I think that 1648 is a great start. And then mm -hmm. once that soil test does come in, yeah, you can come in and like, Hey, I need a little bit more, uh, phosphorus in it. So you, yeah, you can do like 12, 12, 12 or a six, 18, nine, 18 or something like that, you know, just, just depending on what the soil test says. So, yep. yeah, you can, once you get those results back, then you can start dominating your roots. And, um, yeah. if you have something that needs, major correction if you're deficient in a nutrient at that point yeah then you'll want to probably put down a granular fertilizer um, because that it's got a greater concentration it's going to help bring things up to speed a little bit mm -hmm. and then, you know then you can use um your liquid just for maintenance uh, for minor corrections of deficiencies yeah uh, for sure kind of incorporate both into your regimen so last question this is this might be the funny one i'm not sure but all right. So last question, what are the benefits of pre-scalping? I feel like I've heard this before. It's, it's such a dumb joke in, <laughs> all right. So this is a joke in, uh, the, it's called Bermuda lawn dominators. Shout out to Bermuda lawn dominators. It is something that is the bane of pretty much everyone's existence, but everybody asks about it. Everybody talks about it. I think last year it started somebody you've heard of scalping, right? You scalp your yard. Yeah, yeah. To, to kind of reset Bermuda, somebody, I think it, I'm not even sure where it started, but the phrase pre-scalping started to come out. So you got to pre-scalp before you scalp. And everybody's just like, isn't that just scalping, just not as low? I, it, it is such a large argument. So when I asked this question in that group, what would you ask an agronomist? That was like the main question was ask him about pre-scalping and what he feels about it. <laughs> So I think I've read about that on the long form before, and I felt like an idiot because I'm like, I don't know what these people are talking about. Do they know something that I don't know? That's what it is. I think that's where I've heard that before is like is reading long forums. And I was just like, I have no idea what the heck this even is. So I'm not going <laughs> to any So I'm now glad in hindsight that that's an inside joke because I thought I was missing out on some technique that I didn't know about. Oh, it's a technique. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a technique. So it actually what it does. So, you know, um, yeah, that's, that's, you're either cool season or you're warm season. There's no like person that knows everything in between. Um, but yeah, warm season, you actually scalp in the spring, you a get rid of like, just like build up of fat. It's not necessarily thatch. It's just like old growth because we haven't been mowing our lawns. It's been brown. It's been dormant since November. So that same blade has been sitting there since November and it's now April. So we scalp, get rid of that stuff. Um, but it also, what it does is it drops, if you scalp it like all the way down to the dirt, it actually raises the soil temperature up. So you get a faster spring green up because 
the plant, it starts turning green when the soil temperature hits about, about 70 degrees ish, I think 75 degrees. Mm -hmm. Um, so without that buffer of grass kind of insulating that soil, you scalp it, it makes the soil, uh, warmer and then you get a quicker green up. So it makes sense. Something it makes sense. What? Yeah. Oh my okay. So I have like half my front yard right now and I have to figure out what to do with, do with it. It's just wild type Bermuda that has just taken over and I need In to Delaware. stop. Nice. Delaware. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's bad. We call it wire grass up here. Um, but it is, it's gotten so thick that it is, I'm starting to consider actually maintaining it and letting it take over the rest of the lawn. Um, it will. So maybe I'll, yeah. Oh, it's, it, I mean, you should see it at this point. It's, uh, it's over half of my front lawn now, uh, but nice. it's starting to look pretty nice. So maybe I'll have to try scalping it this year. Uh, you mean pre-scalping it? I will pre-scalp it. Yep. <laughs> pre-scalp it and then scalp it. Yep. And then there's a joke about post scalping or like, it's like, that's just mowing. Like, what is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I do that all summer long. Yeah. Oh yeah. You post scalp all, all day long, man. That's it. Um, I, a lot of questions, I think hopefully that helped listeners out. It's great to just talk to somebody who isn't just a lawn, you know, a lawn. I was going to say lawn enthusiast, but I, I guess you would, that would classify you. But maybe just like not a social social media guy who just takes pictures of his lawns, but you actually know the sciences, you know the the chemical makeup of soils. So it's kind of nice to shake it up a little bit on this podcast and just talk a little bit more nerdy once in a while. So not um, like plants, yeah. So at the at the end of each podcast, I always say on this podcast, I would love to make your lawn at least ten percent better but also make you a 10% better dad, parent, what have you. So Mark is a, is a dog dad. Mark, I always let the guest come up with the dad hack of the week or the parenting hack of the week. So is there anything you want to share as the, the dad hack of the week that maybe you learn from your dad, maybe you do with your dogs uh, or in your life? Sh share us that hack. Yeah, I, guess, I mean... If I were to give a dad hack, it would probably not be a very good one because I'm I'm not a dad. I um, live here with my two dogs, so I've gotten plenty of tasks for them, I guess. Um, I don't, just this week, I learned uh, – actually, I have learned this a couple times, but it, I refreshed myself this week. So I always keep jumper cables in my truck uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, but no matter what, I always make sure they're in there because – Jumper cables double as a dog leash in times of need. And I've done it multiple times. Just had to do it the other day. Um, I always like I always leave and I'll forget the dog leash at home. Um, but my jumper cables are always in the truck. So you can if you're in Milton, Delaware, you can see me walking around town with my dog tied to jumper cables. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's actually that's actually a pretty good hack. I didn't even like I, I always have jumper cables in my, uh, actually the other day I went to PetSmart and I had my dog with me and I'm just like, can I borrow a leash? I, you know, I didn't even think I had jumper cables in my car. It's Dang a good it. way to make new friends too. Cause if you're walking a dog around town on jumper cables, then somebody's going to stop and talk to you. And ask quite, Someone, yeah, probably a dad, a car dad, or like a, like a, I don't know, auto, auto guy who has a dog. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so that's, that's just another benefit of always having jumper cables in your truck. And also you get to save save people at the grocery store when they're when their car battery's dead. So yes, multi use, exactly. man. That's yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect hack, man. That's that's great. So uh dog parents, dads, all the above, carry jumper cables, not only to save people and to save yourself, but also in case you need a dog leash. That's great. Exactly. exactly. I don't know if that's a dad hack. I wouldn't I don't know if you can do that with kids. Um you know. <laughs> Well, I, don't, I wouldn't recommend it. Don't say that came from Mark the Agronomist. If you do, come inside call. and your wife's just like, what do you have around the kid's neck? It's a jumper cable. I learned it on Lawn Dad's podcast. Oh boy. We're done. This is the last episode. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to get shut down. No. Dude, Mark, it was a, it was a pleasure ch- chatting with you, man. Um, just learning about, learn about just boar soil stuff, nerdy stuff. So I appreciate you coming on. Uh, last part of this, you've got the floor. How can people get a hold of you? How can they email you? Um, how can they ask questions if they need to, especially, especially talking about simple lawn solutions products, where can they find out? How can they, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can email me at mark at simple lawn solutions.com. Um, or you follow my Instagram M underscore tapping T A P P A N. Uh, so either one of those two methods you can get a hold of me pretty quickly um and i am more than happy to answer questions share stories um help out in any way i possibly can so mark at simple on solutions.com or m underscore tapping that's t-a-p-p-a-n on instagram sweet well there you hear it if you guys have any questions feel free to reach out to him if you have questions for this podcast that you want me to cover with future guests feel free to email me at the email at gmail.com Hope you all have a great rest of your day and weekend, and we'll chat to you next chat with you next week. See you guys.